Hello, this is Pastor Corey Ehrman. You're listening to my podcast. I hope it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch you through this teaching. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless. I've been speaking on righteousness for a while, and I just can't get away from it. How many of you are being blessed with me sharing on our righteousness? And, and Tuesday night, I begin to get into some of these things. But uh, So I want you to look to Romans chapter 5, verse 17, one of our key foundational scriptures on the subject. And I'm going to read this from the Amplified Bible. For if by one man's trespass, lapse or offense or sin, death reigned through that one, and that's Adam, talking about Adam, that one man, Adam. Much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace, unmerited favor, everyone say unmerited favor. I love that because this is favor that you can never earn. This is grace that you can never earn because it is God's gift. Those who receive God's overflowing grace, unmerited favor, and the free gift of righteousness, which the Amplified defines as this, and it's a key, putting them into right standing with himself. Reign as kings in life, through the one, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Okay? So now I want you to see something. Because when Adam was created, he came from the dust, he came from the dirt, he came from the earth. And God came and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And he became a living soul. So he received divine life. There was an impartation. There was a heavenly impartation into this earthly body. This divine life was imparted into him. And he became a partaker of the divine nature. And he opened his eyes. And then he was face to face with God. And it was like looking in the perfect law of liberty. Which is James defines it as when you look in the the mirror of the word. It's like you're looking in the perfect law of liberty. And he was able to see his image, his likeness, because God said, let us make man in our likeness, in our image. Let us create them and let us give them dominion over everything on the earth. And God created them male and female. And then he blessed them, saying, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the earth and over everything that I've created on the earth. So you've got to understand this. This is such a key. This is such a key. Okay? First of all, what we see in that is God's purpose. First of all, God's purpose in how he created man. How? In his image and his likeness. Why? To have dominion. So God's image, God's likeness, and God's divine nature that was imparted into man, the blessing, the breath, the life, the empowerment, gave them the ability to have dominion which is authority. But the key here is to understand that it was delegated authority. It was delegated authority. Okay? It was delegated authority. So 
man received God's life, which is grace, and dominion. Okay? So when man fell, man did not lose a religion. Man lost God's life because he said, you will surely die. If you, when you eat of that tree, you will surely die. So there was spiritual death and lost the ability to have dominion. So if we never lost a religion, why do we need religion? Religion cannot give back what we lost in the fall. And the biggest problem in the church world throughout the ages has always been Romans chapter 10, verse 3. Go with me to Romans chapter 10, verse 3. Let's look at this. And of course, you know, the, Roman, the book of Romans chapter 10, it's one of the big chapters about, you know, salvation. It's actually verse 9 defines how you get saved. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and if you will believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. I mean, that's the gospel in a nutshell. Nutshell, how you get saved, how you get born again. Jesus said, unless you're born again, born from above, born of the Spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. So, and of course, the kingdom of heaven, kingship, kingdom, king domain. That's why we get the word kingdom is the king's domain. So kingdom of heaven, entering into the kingdom of heaven also gives you domain or dominion. So when you're born again, you know, obviously, according to Ephesians chapter 2, you are raised up with him and you are made to sit in heavenly places. So now you're in a position of authority. You're, a position of an, uh, you're in a position of emp empowerment and then you can have dominion. But so Romans chapter 10, it's that chapter about, you know, salvation and everything. But look at verse 3. And this is what we're always having to deal with because it's that, it's that, um, that striving of the flesh with the spirit, okay? Romans chapter 10, verse 3. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness or substitute their own righteousness, okay? Because there are two kinds of righteousness, okay? There's God righteousness and there's self-righteousness. Being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves onto the righteousness of God. And this is the greatest struggle throughout the centuries in the church world. When people are ignorant of the righteousness of God. And the devil works overtime to make sure that people, even after they get born again. I mean, obviously, if they're not born again, he's already got them. But once they're born again, he will do everything in his power to keep them from achieving the fullness of the life of God that is on the inside of them. So he'll attack the baptism of the Holy Spirit, people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. He'll attack the gifts of the Spirit. He'll attack the healing ministry. He'll attack the miracles, signs, and wonders. And he'll also attack our righteousness. Because what happens is if the church, if a believer does not understand the righteousness that he has in God... According to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, he who knew no sin became a sin offering for us. And we understood that that sin offering is from Leviticus chapter 4, unintentional sin. It was one of the two required mandatory offerings that had to be offered. The sin offering was in Leviticus chapter 4, and then the trespass offering was in Leviticus chapter 5. Trespass offering is willful sin. 
sins of commission. But then there are sins of omission. You know, the unintentional sin. It just comes out of the sin nature. Father, forgive them. They, they do what they don't know. I mean, they, they, they don't know what they're doing. And people, people do things. They don't even know why they're doing that. They don't even realize it's a sin. They don't even realize it's wrong because it just comes out of their nature. What does a sinner do? Sins. It's in their nature. And people do dumb things. They do wrong things. And they don't even know why they're doing it. It just comes out of the fallen nature. The corrupted nature. So the sin offering was for the sin nature. The trespass offering was when you knew that you broke the law. Something specific under the law of Moses. You knew that you broke the law. Then you had to bring that trespass offering. You had to confess that specific sin. The trespass offering required a specific confession of what you had done wrong. But the sin offering did not. Because it just covered everything about the sin nature. So Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He who knew no sin became a sin offering for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Now the Amplified says we might become and we might also receive and conform to the righteousness of Christ. I love that. Okay? So the devil will work overtime to keep the church ignorant, uninformed, or believing wrong with vain imaginations, false doctrines, religious doctrines, religious traditions, doctrines of devils that come by seducing spirits spewed out from the pulpits all over the world, spewed out of religious mumbo-jumbo books all over the world to get believers to think that they are still sinners. How many of you heard, I am just a sinner saved by grace? It is completely unbiblical to even believe and speak that way. And it is a stronghold that has to be pulled down and destroyed by the word of God. You were a sinner. B.C. before Christ. A.D. Anna Domini. The dominion of God. Why is it that all of a sudden B.C. It becomes A.D. Because before Christ, you had no dominion. Now A.D., after Christ, you have dominion. It's even in, <laughs> in the dates. Because the early church understood that dominion was restored back to them. But the church of today does not even understand. They are ignorant of the righteousness of God. And what happens is because of their ignorance, and just like Paul warns them, I mean, don't be ignorant of the righteousness of God. He also talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, don't be ignorant of the gifts of the Spirit. So the enemy will work overtime. He's working overtime to, make, to get people to become ignorant, uninformed, or misinformed about the righteousness of God in Christ. So what happens in its place is we end up, or the church ends up substituting self-righteousness and not submitting to the righteousness of God. Because the righteousness of God, as we just read, Romans 5, 17, is something you receive. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness will have dominion, will rule and reign in this life through Jesus Christ. 
Why? Because he who knew no sin became a sin offering in order to remove the sin nature, which gives us sin consciousness, which brings condemnation. But in Christ, there is now no condemnation. No sense of guilt or shame, weakness. So what does Satan do? He gets the church to become uninformed or misinformed about our righteousness so that we live under, we live this substandard life. Believers live in the sub, they, they believe they can be, they're going to be sick, defeated, sorry, poor, uh, you know, no peace, no joy, no power, no, no victory. So he holds the church back by getting the church to become ignorant of the righteousness of God. After I got saved, I ended up, you know, among the denominational church where they kept telling me I'm a sinner. And I just didn't understand that. I was a sinner. Why do you keep telling me I'm a sinner? So what changed? Something must have changed. I got born again. What are you talking about? I'm still a sinner. And as a matter matter of fact, I'm not doing the things that I used to do. I don't even want to do the things that I used to do. I feel different. Something changed on the inside of me. Why do you keep trying to convince me that I'm a sinner, you Baptist? I said it. There you go. Southern kind, not the northern kind. (laughs) Then I heard about the free Baptist. Then I saw them and I thought, oh my God, if these are the free, I don't even want to see the bound Baptist. (laughs) It's terrible. It's something I have to constantly deal with in Turkey because we have so much religious junk because you got the Catholic, the Orthodox, deeply entrenched, all traditional church. And then you got all these people coming out of Islam, the Turks that get saved, the former Muslims, they come in and then all these missionaries come. You got these other missionaries that come with the all these religious doctrines, and then they keep putting them back under bondage. And I'll never forget, I, we had a lady, she had been in a, in a church for a long, long time, and then we brought her, you know, she ended up coming to the River Bible Institute, and after her life was changed and her mind was renewed, literally, I mean, she kind of grew up in church, she was a little girl when her mom got saved, so she kind of grew up in church 20 years, and then came through the River Bible Institute, and then she just, her eyes were open, she came to me one day, she said, I was a Christian, but I felt like a Muslim 20 years of my life. My mind was totally unrenewed. A church was, everybody, they, we come out of Islam, but we still bound. We still think like Muslims. We still think with this religious. And all that got washed away because of the teaching of the word. She goes, when I understood my righteousness, everything changed. I thought I was this loser, a sinner. I didn't deserve anything. I couldn't receive anything from God. You know, when I was sick, I thought God was punishing me. You know, I, I thought God was just keeping me poor to keep me humble. And all of this nonsense. Because you've got to understand, our righteousness is the undergarments. And actually, if you, again, remember I said, if you read in the Amplified Bible, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says that we might be endued with the righteousness of God. And the word endue comes from endure, which means clothing. Same word, it only appears twice in the Bible. Same word Jesus used in Luke chapter 28 uh, 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 verse 49 or 24 verse 49 when she said when he said you will be endued with power from on high when the Holy Ghost comes upon you so you'll be clothed just like we look in the book of Revelation and we see the saints clothed in white linen which represents righteousness okay so now let's let's go back to the garden let's go back to the garden so God creates Adam and Eve he blesses them they're naked but there's no shame And God comes walking with them in the cool of the day. 
They are in perfect union with him, perfect fellowship. They hear his voice. It's a beautiful voice. It's a voice that draws them. And they run to him. And they get face to face with him. And they talk with him. And he talks with them. And and the Garden of Eden becomes God's dwelling place, a, a, a tabernacle. Amen. And they're walking with him in the cool of the day. And they're naked. God sees their nakedness. There's no shame. They see each other's nakedness. There's no shame. You know why? Because they were clothed. They were clothed in the righteousness of God. You know why? Because there was no sin in their lives and there was no sin consciousness. But they had to understand that this was God's righteousness, not their own righteousness. And for that reason, that's why God put two trees in the garden. Because there are two kinds of righteousness. We just read that in Romans chapter 10, verse 3. God's righteousness, self-righteousness. And what does the Bible say, by the way, about self-righteousness? It's what? It's like dirty rags. It's trash. So if you come to God with your own righteousness, it's like trash. It's just trash. It's, it, 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 it's trash. It's, it's, it, mean, it means nothing. That's why Paul said, you know, all that I knew I counted as rubbish because it was self-righteousness. I was the perfect in the law, Pharisee of Pharisees, taught by the chief Pharisee of all time. I mean, got my doctorate in the law, but it's all rubbish because it's all self-righteousness. It's all filthy rags before the Lord. So he got a revelation of the righteousness of God and the grace. So here's, I mean, I, mean, I want you to see this. So there's two trees, Okay. And there's the tree of life, which represents God's righteousness. Eat of it, all that you want, and just eat. It's the tree of life, the life of God that's already on the inside of you, and the righteousness of God, and that's what's called submitting to the righteousness of God. But then there's another tree, represents self-righteousness. If you reject the righteousness of God, then you're going to have to substitute self-righteousness in its place. And that self-righteousness represents man trying to decide without God. Because that's the tree of death. The day you eat of it, you will surely die. Because it is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's when you start to substitute. That's when mankind starts to substitute their own code of righteousness. Knowing good and evil or calling good and evil or knowing that which is good evil and knowing that which is evil good and that's what we're, we're living in that time right now we're living in a time where evil is good and good is evil and it's getting worse and worse and worse and it's going to get worse in the final days it's going to get worse and because of the wickedness the love of many will grow cold and many will be offended and people will even betray one another the bible says jesus said brothers will betray one another it's terrible I mean, prime example, you know, we're dealing with this stuff. Uh, evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth, he was preaching in uh, the city in, in New Jersey, and they were going to have open-air you know, meetings, and then they were going to reach, it was a, you know, a low-income neighborhood, so he was going to bless the people, you know, predominantly black neighborhood. They were going to bless people. They even gave everybody a car. I mean, you know, you giving out food and preaching the gospel and everything. So, but what happened was a, the, a group you know, the LGBT group came out against him, said he's a preacher of hate. 
They didn't even know him. They just said he's, you know, he's going to preach hate. And he had recruited 26 churches to get on board. 20 of them backed down. And then half of them went and joined the protest with the LGBT community against the evangelist. That's what we're dealing with. When people call evil good and good evil, and it's so easy because people have no backbone. They have no moral backbone. They have no fortitude. They have no substance. They, have no, they don't understand the righteousness in Christ to be able to withstand against unrighteousness. They will just easily cave in and just go with the pressure. So we're dealing with that right now. I mean, you know, people can say, I'll never deny you, Lord. Jesus said, you sure, Peter? In your righteousness, self-righteousness, you're going to fall big time. You're going to deny me three times before the, the rooster crows. And he did. He denied him three times because he was self-righteous. And so if you're trying to substitute self-righteousness for the righteousness of God, where you think you know what's good and what's evil, that you really don't know God's standard, that you can set your own standard. And since that very day of Eve picking from the fruit, eating the fruit, and giving it to her husband. We have lived in this world where now man has substituted their own standards, having rejected God's standard. You see, when truth becomes relative, your truth is yours, mine is mine, whatever, you know, that's self-righteousness. Because nobody's ever going to claim they're evil. Nobody's ever going to say they were evil. They're always going to try to justify what they do. We, got, we, got, we have people now trying to justify pedophilia. That's where this thing is headed. They're pushing very hard to make child marriage legal in Europe. It's happening here. Grown men are walking around with little kids and saying love is love and let us marry these little kids. I mean, it's the most disgusting. It's the most evil thing. But people are celebrating it. And that's what we deal with. And I'm, I, just, I know I keep using those same examples, but it's, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty telling of what we're de dealing with, the times that we're living in, because the church is ignorant of the righteousness of God. Because when you understand your righteousness, you begin to bear the fruits of righteousness. And the Bible talks about God increasing the fruits of your righteousness. And one of the ways that fruits of righteousness increases, according to Hebrews 12, is that you receive chastisement. If you don't receive chastisement, which is not fun as you're going through it, discipline or, or letting the word of God, you know, change you, if you don't receive that, Right? You become an illegitimate child, right? But if you receive the correction of the word, even though it's not fun when you're going through it, in the end, it bears the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So you have to allow the Lord to come and spank your flesh. Because the flesh tends to be very self-righteous. Always defending itself. And so that's the... the the age-old battle between the spirit and the flesh, because self-righteousness is of the flesh. Dead works of the flesh. Religion, tradition, works, works, works. Earning God's, trying to earn God's favor by works. But we know that it's not by works, because it's not a reward, it's a gift. Okay? So... The true trees represented God's righteousness and self-righteousness. When you reject God's righteousness, you're going to have to go with self-righteousness. 
and the church is full of all kinds of things that have been built up, structures, traditions, religious things, to trying to bring self-righteousness in place of God's righteousness. And that's no different than Adam and Eve making those aprons from fig, fig leaves, which is self-righteousness. Trying to cover their shame because the moment they ate, their eyes were open. They knew they were naked. They were afraid. God comes in the cool of the day, walking in the garden, speaking to them, and they go hiding. Where are you? We were hiding. We heard your voice. We were afraid. Why were you afraid? We were naked. Who told you you were naked? Condemnation told them that they were naked because once the righteousness of God lifted, they were under condemnation. Feeling, having a guilty conscience. And religion is man's vain attempt to ease their guilty conscience. Feel like they've done something good to make themselves feel good. It's always about, it's very, religion is very selfish because it's always about yourself. Make yourself feel good. Do some good works so you feel a little better about yourself. Go to church Sunday morning, clock in, clock out, so you feel like you've done your little religious duty and you feel better. Oh, I went to church this week. But the rest of the time, you live like the devil because nothing's changed. There's no fruit. So coming to church is not some religious activity we do to get points with God or whatever that we do. Because if you build your life based on that, then you're going to fall very short of the mark, and you're always going to live under condemnation. So, but when you realize that those who are in Christ are no longer under condemnation, you're no longer under condemnation because self-righteousness brings condemnation. And the more condemnation you have, the more self-righteousness you need. And it's a vicious cycle. But once you receive the free gift of righteousness and you become the righteousness of God in Christ, you're endued with righteousness, okay? So there's two kinds of righteousness, God righteousness, self-righteousness. We have a choice. It's your choice. But if you don't accept God's righteousness, then you'll go and you'll grab from the tree of self-righteousness and then you'll be naked, you'll be ashamed, you'll be afraid. And then you'll have to cover yourself. And that's what religion is. Man's vain attempt. That's why we have all this religion in the world. So religion has become man's substitute to trying to gain back what was lost. But it will never give back what was lost. Religion will never bring righteousness. Religion will never bring empowerment. Religion will never bring peace. Only the gospel. Only the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And what's the next verse? What's verse 10? What's verse 10? For with the heart man believes unto what? Righteousness. Because that's the key. That's what was lost. So salvation restores righteousness back to man. If you will believe with your heart unto righteousness, man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So righteousness that is of faith, not of works. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. 
Is this helping anybody here tonight? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Well, we already talked about verse 6. I can go back. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace you were saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So salvation and the gift of righteousness, these are gifts, not of works, lest any man should boast. So it's not a reward for your works. It's a gift. Salvation is a free gift, not a reward. In religion, it's a reward. In religion, it's something you try to earn. And in a religious form of Christianity, of course, Christianity is not a religion, but it's become, it's been made into a religion. In religious form of Christianity, it's all about works. It's all, all about works, trying to earn God's favor, trying to earn salvation, which is nothing more than self-righteousness, which is like filthy rags. Okay? For you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So the good works come after salvation. It's the fruits of righteousness. It's not works to attain righteousness. It's the works of righteousness in your life that bears the fruits of righteousness. Amen? So what is the key, tr key truth here? Righteousness is the ability to stand in the presence of God without any sense of guilt, shame, inferiority, condemnation, or sin consciousness. Righteousness means we can stand in the presence of the devil and demons without knowing any fear. Knowing that we are more than conquerors in Christ. See, righteousness is fearless living. Because perfect love casts out all fear. So when you understand your righteousness in Christ, you'll be fearless. You'll fear no man. You'll fear no devil. You'll fear no situation or circumstance because in all these things, you are more than a conqueror. Because righteousness gives you the ability to have dominion. Righteousness gives you the ability to move mountains. Because righteousness is the undergarment of authority and power. Because the priests would wear those undergarments of white linen, and over it they would wear the ephod, which represented the authority of the kingdom. So, but we have been given the keys of the kingdom to bind and to loose, and whatever you bind on earth, it is bound in heaven because our authority comes from heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed from heaven. Behold, I give you the keys. I will build my church on the foundation of my righteousness. Righteousness in Christ, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But the self-righteous church has no power over the devil. Self-righteous church has no authority or power or resistance over the world either. The self-righteous church always caves into the world because the self-righteous church always has to compromise. 
But when you have the righteous, when you understand the righteousness of God, amen, everything changes. So Satan knew that if he could get them to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which would be self-righteousness. Because remember, he said, you will be like God. You will be righteous. They already were righteous. But that was self-righteousness. So being ignorant of the righteousness of God, rejecting the righteousness of God, as Romans 10, 3 says, not submitting to the righteousness of God, they ended up going and eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and basically saying, from this day forward, we will decide what's good and what's evil. And ever since mankind has rejected God's standards of righteousness and holiness and God's law and has substituted religion in its place, do you understand me? In Islam, for example, it's okay to lie to the infidel. The Quran actually commands you to deceive the infidel. <laughs> so we were told as a kid, you can lie to the Christians. It's okay. It's not a sin. Don't lie to you other Muslims, but it's okay to lie to the Christians to deceive them because they're the enemy. I mean, it's just twisted. It's so twisted. It's also okay to take a nine-year-old girl as a, as a wife. So, I mean, that, uh, you, you're talking about now really, really, some really crazy stuff. And so deceive the infidel to win him. If you will not be deceived to be one, then you cut his head off. And that's what we're talking about. I mean, it is, but religion makes it okay. Religion makes it okay. That's why people blow themselves up, because it's okay. And so... We're talking about so much deception and self-righteousness. And then, I mean, of course, in religious Christianity, you deal with the same thing. Self-righteousness works. I mean, you know, the Catholic Church introduced the whole concept of paying penance, paying for your sins. And so we've got this whole mentality that's been built on the foundation of you having to pay for your sins. And you might think that it's, it's a Catholic issue, but it even crept into the Reformation church afterwards. So we've got this whole concept, you've got to pay for your sins. What have I done that I deserve this? God must be punishing me for something. He gave me the sickness, the disease, teach me a lesson because I wasn't good enough. I didn't learn well enough. He keeps me in poverty so I can be humble. Let me tell you right now, condemnation, condemnation is a substitute for humility. You ever talk to Christians? They, they, they condemn themselves to look so humble. You know what I'm talking about, right? They condemn themselves. They come before you and they make themselves, they, they, they sound weak and, and because it's to, to make you think that they're humble. No, that's not humility. That's not humility. True humility walks in the righteousness of God. They get a car, but then they have to make the excuse, of, well, you know, but... But I got a really good deal. Why do you have to tell me that? Just say, I pay full price. The Lord blessed me. I pay full price. Wasn't even any, I walked right in. I wrote a check, paid full price. Didn't even bother with him. I walked right out the door. 
Why do you have to? Ah, oh, you know, I got a really good deal, and it was kind of like a year old, and somebody. Why do you have to explain away? Why do we have to? Why do we feel like we have to do that? You know why? Because of this whole concept of condemnation that the church has been fighting against for all of these centuries. We feel like we have to kind of like you know make God's miracle sound a little bit less. I was visiting one of the Christian radio stations in Turkey one day because they, they asked me to come. We'd like to put your stuff on, your, your messages on the radio and things like that. Then I realized that they didn't really like my messages. They just thought, that they, they, they just thought I have a lot of money because everybody in Turkey said, Pastor Corey has a lot of money. <laughs> I, said, I, I said, praise the Lord, keep prophesying. Yeah, I do have a lot of money. I have an unlimited supply. One, one pastor said to me, how much do you have in the bank account? I said, unlimited. He said, what do you mean? I said, unlimited bank account. <laughs> no, I found out. They just wanted the money. They didn't really like my messages because they were talk, criticizing my messages to other people. But they just knew I had money and they wanted the money. Oh, I'm telling you. Oh, my Lord, the stuff that goes on. Oh, Jesus, help me. So I go there. I'm sitting there. And then, and then listen to the guy tells me. I don't even know why he's telling me this. He said, we got our big sponsor from America coming tomorrow. So I'm not going to drive my car. I'm going to take the bus. I'm going to leave my iPhone, and I'm going to bring the old Nokia brick. Because I don't want to look to them like we have money here. I'm, he's telling me this as I'm sitting in the office. I wanted to vomit. So he wants to look poor so he, they, he can get money. Because he thinks if they walk in the door, the guy is driving a car, he's got an iPhone, he's got nice clothes on, they think they already have money, we're not going to give him any money. Condemnation keeps you in a place of being a beggar. I am no beggar. I am no beggar. You are no beggar. You beg no man. You will beg no man. If I ever hear you begging, I'll come and find you. Give you the fivefold ministry. We beg no one. We come from a position of victory, and we are blessed going in. We're blessed coming on, and we have the prosperity of God. We have the righteousness of God in Christ. We beg no one. I'm no man's debtor. You owe no one anything but love. And it's their privilege to be a blessing to you. Because they'll be blessed if they bless you. Because that's the Abrahamic covenant. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. So people come to curse me, I say, you better be careful before you start cursing me. Because I'm, I'm under the Abrahamic covenant. That curse is going to bounce right off of me and come back to you a hundredfold. So you better bless me. Put the fear of God in him. Hallelujah. Because that's the righteousness of God. That's an understanding of the righteousness of God. Whatever unrighteousness comes against you is going to bounce right off of you. Because you have the breastplate of righteousness. It protects your heart. And that's the number one place you need to protect. And the righteousness of God protects your heart. Because the Bible says if your heart condemns you, you don't have any confidence before God. And what is faith? It's a confident assurance that God will do exactly what he said he will do. And if you're living under condemnation, your faith will not work because you won't, you'll have a really hard time believing God. 
because you're still doubting whether he's going to really take care of you and provide for you or not. Absolutely not. He will provide for you. He must provide for you. He has to provide for you because he is a righteous father. If you ask him for fish, he will not give you a snake. If you ask him for bread, he will not give you stone. If you ask him for the Holy Ghost, he's not going to give you a demon. The fire of God is going to come on you. It's the craziness that we have to deal with. So, the self-condemnation really is a substitute for spiritual humility. People just trying to make themselves look weak and crawl on their knees, you know. I've seen, I went to Europe. There's this one monastery. Everybody up a hill, they're crawling on their knees until their knees are just blood everywhere and they're crawling on their knees up to pray and then they're doing the rosary and stuff as they're crawling crawling up the hill to this monastery and just and then they're beating themselves they have little whips there they whip themselves beat themselves trying to pay for their sins trying to humble themselves self-condemnation beat beating themselves down and some people go to church and get beat down You dirty old rotten sinner, you. How dare you think you're going to ever break through and prosper, you dirty old rotten sinner. And pastor's trying to keep everybody down. Keep, keep everybody tied, chained to the pew. They tell him, Pastor Ronnie tells a story. He was preaching in this one big church, and he gave an altar call, whatever, for those people that wanted the fire gone and go in the ministry or whatever. And hundreds of people in this church came up, and the pastor took the mic and said, you all need to go sit down. You're not ready. Right there in the middle of the revival. You're all not ready. And Pastor Ronnie, in front of everybody, looked at him and said, how long have you had this church? So he said, 20 years. Now, he says, if I were you, I would just resign the ministry. If your people are not ready, it's your fault, not their fault. My God, are you kidding me? And I've dealt with this in Turkey. There was a pastor. He's dead now. He was my age. He died from a heart attack. His heart exploded, actually. It's terrible. Terrible thing that happened. We were doing uh, leadership seminars, conferences, and I was trying to work with the pastors to get involved and bring their top people into leadership training and things like that, you know, like the stuff that I do with you guys and, you know, come into the leadership conferences. And he just looks at us and says, I don't have any potential leaders in my church. I said, how many people do you have? Like 40 people. I don't have anybody. And so the American, one of the American instructors we had, he said, can I come and preach in your church? He was a pastor from San Diego. He's now a missionary in Turkmenistan, the only missionary in Turkmenistan. Powerful what God's done with him. He went in there with official letters from the president of Turkmenistan because they kicked out all the missionaries. He's the only one there now. So it's pretty powerful what God did with him. So, so he goes to this church. He preaches on you know, rising up, serving the Lord and stuff, and he gives a call. How, how many of you want to be trained up and serve the Lord in ministry and feel a call for ministry, and then you want to be raised up as leaders? Like, like dozen people comes up. Dozen people comes up, and the pastor says to them, and you all are not ready. 
go sit down. And he died a year later, and nobody was able to take over the church. Nobody was able to take over the church. He died. He died. Nobody was able to take over the church. And this happened about four years before that. So we could have helped him raise up people to take the church to another level. It's a very sad thing. And I, I'm telling you right now, I, maybe that sometimes the Lord takes people out of their way because they just become a hindrance. I'm sorry to say, but it sounds pretty crazy. But, you know, hey, you better not be a hindrance to the things of God. This is not a game. I mean, it's a very fearful thing <laughs> to stand before an all-consuming fire. So we better serve God and give him everything we got because I'm telling you. Anyway, I don't know how we got on that thing, but the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. So these are the basic facts you have to have established in your life. Let me close with this. These are the basic facts you have to have established in your life as a believer. Number one, you have been created in the image and likeness of God. If there's any question about that, go to Ephesians chapter 4 and I'll show you. Ephesians chapter 4. Of course, we know, right? 2 Corinthians 5.17, right? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature or a creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything's made new, right? Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Um, go to uh, verse 22 that you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust so that's the sin nature that's the old nature right because now you've received the righteous nature of God, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So, the new nature that you have, how is that new nature? What is that new nature? What is that new nature? Amplified says, strip yourselves off your former nature, put off and discard because it's trash. Filthy rag, just throw it in the trash. Don't even bother trying to wash it. Filthy, dirty rag, you wash it, it's never going to be stainless. Just throw it away, okay? Your unrenewed self, which characterized your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lust and desires that spring from delusion. Verse 23, and be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. So your mind has to catch up with what's in your spirit. Because the moment you are born again, your spirit has been not fixed up, not patched up, not cleaned up, recreated. Recreated. Having a new nature. In God's image, God-like in true righteousness and holiness. So your mind has to catch up with what's already in your spirit. Right? So you have been created in the image and likeness of God, and God is a spirit. You are not flesh, bone, blood, and muscle. You are a spirit being in God's class. You are a new class of creature, actually. We are a new class of creature. There's only one classification that you can be classified. Not, you're not homo sapien. 
<laughs> Certainly don't come from, from, from uh, monkeys either. No, you are a new, you are a new creature. You are Christ-like. That's what a Christian is, Christ-like. Christian, Christ-like. You're a new species of being. You're not like other people. You're a born-again child of God. You're not like other people. You might look the same, same hair, two eyes, nose, whatever, <laughs> two ears, two bellies, sometimes three, three chins, whatever, but you... <laughs> <laughs> you may look on the outside like them, but you are not like them. You are different. You are a new creature. You are a new class of being. You are a new species in Christ. Amen. You are a spirit being. You have a spirit. You are a spirit being first. You have a soul and you live in a body. The real you is a spirit man or a spirit woman. You're a spirit being living in a, living in a physical body. Your body is the house of your spirit. So what we see on the outside is just a house. It's just a tent. In Christ, you're a totally brand new creation. You're not patched up, repaired, or renovated. You have been recreated. So there are four truths that you must understand. Number one, God created man after his own image and likeness. Right? Number two, man lost the image of God through the fall because Genesis 5.3 says, And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image named Seth. So Seth inherited the sinful nature. Likeness and image of Adam. A fallen being with a corrupt nature. Truth number three, Jesus came to the earth to paralyze the devil, thank God, and restore back to man everything that Adam lost in the fall. John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And what is the work of the, one of the... The, the number one work of the devil, deception to bring you into the place of condemnation. Deception to bring you into the place of condemnation. First John chapter 3, verse 8. We just read that. Colossians 2.15. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Jesus defeated the devil, triumphed over them in it, and actually made a public spectacle. Put him on display as a loser. But he wants you to think that you are the loser. You are a winner. I remember that African song. I'm a winner, winner, winner. I'm a winner in the Lord. I'm a winner, winner. I'm a winner in the Lord. I'm a winner, I'm a winner. You're a winner, I'm a winner. We're all winners in the Lord. Very simple, but I like it. It's better than saying, singing I'm a loser. <laughs> yeah, you're a winner in the Lord. You're a winner in the Lord. 
All right, truth number four. Through the reality of the new creation, we get back the image of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 47 through 49. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is, from the, is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. As is the heavenly man. So what, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't be surprised, Jesus said, that I, I tell you that you must be born from above, born from heaven. Then you can enter into heaven. And you can exercise heavenly dominion. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Romans 8.29. Anybody read the, uh, the book Heavenly Man by Brother Yoon? Powerful. Yeah, Brother Yoon. All that stuff they did to him in the Chinese prison. I mean, the guards defecated on him. They broke his bones. He was there. I mean, you got to read that book. you got to find the book Heavenly Man by Brother Yoon. The Chinese evangelist that was prisoned under the communism. And now China is retaliating against the churches because the church has been growing so strong. But the Chinese said the worst thing that happened to them when they were underground church, they were powerful. The worst thing that happened to them was when all the missionaries came in. They came in with all their denominationalism and their religion and they messed up the church divided the church they were he said we were all brothers until the missionaries came they divided us it's terrible i've seen the same thing in turkey we were all brothers until the missionaries started to come and divided the church i'm of paul i'm of apollos i'm of, of this you know it's terrible so you got to read that book by brother you and the heavenly man powerful you see what he went through physically but then he was not crushed in his spirit they crushed his body. They broke dozens of bones. I mean, they, the guards would come pee on him, defecate on him. They would kick him. They would beat him. They left him for dead. They wouldn't feed him. It, I mean, it was horrendous what they did to him, the torture that he went through. But he said they could not break his spirit. They could not break his spirit. The heavenly man. See, Jesus' body was broken but he spirit was never broken hallelujah thank you lord romans eight twenty nine. for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren so we're going to what predestined to be conformed to the image of his son two more verses three more verses and i'll close so the first adam reproduced a fallen race after his fallen nature and according to his fallen image, Jesus, the last Adam or the second Adam, as the Bible calls him, reproduced a new family after his kind, after his likeness, after his image. 1 Corinthians 15, 49. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. 1 John 4, 17. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Not in heaven, in this world. So are we in this world. So a person who's not born again, they have a dead spirit. Their spirit is dead, cut off from the life of God, void of the life of God. Still under the rule of Satan, with Satan's nature, right? Under the power of the prince of the air, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. Satan is the God of all unsaved people, whether they know it or claim it or believe it or accept it or not. That's why demon spirits are active in all unsaved people. While the man who is not born again has a corrupt nature, 
with the fallen image of Adam, the born-again believer has the divine nature of God. You have been made partakers of the divine nature. In the new creation, we get back the image of God. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, who is in Christ here tonight? If you are in Christ, praise the Lord. If you are in Christ, who is in Christ again? Let me see. Everybody in Christ making sure? Okay. Because if, if you're not, we need to get you in Christ. Get you out of the devil into Christ. Pass from death unto life. Come out from the power of the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. All things have passed away. I'm born again. More than a conqueror. That's who I am. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. Yeah, you know that song? Who knows that song? David Ingalls. I love it. Get his, get his albums. Download them. Find them. Sing them because it's, it's all scripture. You know, it's all truth. It's not that other nonsense fluff that's coming out now. Talking about the reckless love of God. God's love is not reckless, people. The definition of reckless is careless. Unconcerned. How could God's love be reckless? It should be endless. You can sing it. Just put endless there. The endless love of God. I'd prefer that. Or relentless love of God or something, but not reckless. Amen. So, okay. Did I bust somebody's bubble there? or <laughs> Just... <laughs> yeah, because if anyone who does not sin in word is a perfect man. Words are powerful. Words are powerful. Hallelujah. So lift your hands right now. Just say this after me. I have received the righteousness of God in Christ. I am righteous. And the prayers of a righteous man or woman, whichever one you are, avails much. I have power. I have authority. I have been created in God's image in God's likeness, in true righteousness and holiness. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. You have been endued with the righteousness of God. Amen. You have been endued with the righteousness of God. And everything changes when you understand your righteousness. And so you got to understand, you are not, no longer a sinner and you should, have not, you should not have a sin consciousness. You should have a consciousness of your righteousness. Because when you understand your righteousness, then you'll begin to bear the fruits of your righteousness. Thank you for tuning into my podcast. I hope that you have been blessed. I would like for you to consider two things. Number one, subscribe to our show to receive notifications of our new podcasts. Number two, support our ministry of reaching the nations with revival by clicking on the link in the description or visiting our website, riverwpb.com. Thank you for tuning in. Look forward to you joining our next podcast. God bless you.